the NCAA made up their minds finally. So what is LSU basketball and LSU football's fate? You are locked on LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked in LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, do not forget, if you're listening on your preferred podcast platform, then wonderful. Thank you for being here. But don't forget, you can also find us on YouTube as well. My name is Caroline Fenton, and you can find me on Twitter at CarolineFenton1. You can also follow along the podcast Twitter at Locked on LSU for podcast updates, LSU thoughts, all that great stuff. Today's edition of Locked on LSU is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order. Let's get into it. Big old ball game happening in Omaha tonight and we're going to get into all of that. A recap of the action against Tennessee. Huge win last night against Wake Forest. Also looking ahead to game two against Wake Forest. We'll get into all of that. But I want to start here with some new news that has come out about the LSU Athletic Department this afternoon. It was honestly a a decision that I forgot about. That I thought I forgot was how important it was to this athletic department because it has been so freaking long. But LSU's fate has been announced by the NCAA officially. Since what? This was foot 2020. So the NCAA independent resolution panel finally made their decision on LSU's infractions for the several NCAA violations that it committed for the men's basketball and football programs. So first and foremost, let's refresh a little bit. Will Wade, of course, we know the strong ass offer. We know that, you know, Will Wade was paying money. To recruits, we know that Will Wade was not being um, very cooperative with the NCAA nor with LSU throughout this entire process. LSU fires Will Wade. Um, L- Will Wade gets hired by McNeese. Um, but ever since you know the NCAA kind of underwent an investigation of not just the men's basketball team, but the athletic department as a whole. They found several different things, one of those being Will Wade and his recruiting violations, the other of those things being with the LSU football program. So there were three major violations within the football program. The first one happened in mid-2010s, 2012 to 2016, when the LSU Athletic Department was part of this scheme that paid about around just shy of $200,000 to the father of an LSU football player. That was violation one. The second violation was Odell Beckham Jr. handing out wads of cash to players on the field after the national championship. We all remember that. We all saw the videos on social media. And the third uh, LSU football violation being impermissible contact with a recruit in 2020 when Edward Ezron, I believe it was a phone call, had a phone call with a recruit in 2020. So both the Will Wade stuff and the LSU football stuff, the NCAA has revealed what LSU's fate now is, their decision with how they would like to move forward with punishments, I guess is the best word to use, for the LSU Athletic Department. Let's focus in on Will Wade first. 
not that it matters. You know, Will Wade has separated from the program, but he is the reason why all of this started. Will Wade will get a 10-game suspension at McNeese. When he was hired by McNeese, McNeese already proactively suspended Will Wade for five games. This is an additional five-game suspension from the the NCAA. Will Wade will also be slapped with a two-year show cause. To the best of my knowledge, this really has nothing to do with LSU moving forward. LSU basketball, however, as a whole. Now, that has something to do with LSU moving forward. They will revoke two total scholarships from the LSU basketball program, one of those being in the 2024 season, one of those being in the 2025 season. So I would say a majority of what you're looking at in terms of basketball repercussions or punishments, most of them are behind us. Let's look at football. I mentioned the three violations committed by LSU football. So the the big punishment, so to speak, is a three-year probation, both for the men's basketball program and the LSU football program. The P word is really scary. It is probation. Ah, it sounds really scary. What it really means is the NCAA is going to be looking at you under a microscope. What it really means is if you mess up again, if you get caught with another recruiting violation, then your punishment will be harsher now than it would be for a team that's not on probation. That's really all it is. It's not a postseason ban. It's not any additional scholarships. It's not any games that coaches or players have to sit out. It is just three years of, hey, you know, we're going to be looking at you. Don't do it again. It's a slap on the wrist is really what it is. And the kicker here is it's a backdated three-year probation. So the probation ends in September. (laughs) The probation ends in a couple of months, which I think is fair. If I can impose my own personal opinion here, I think that is fair. I think it's completely unfair and completely unnecessary for the NCAA to punish players and coaches for the actions of former players and of former coaches. Just because the NCAA felt like taking their sweet, dear time with this doesn't mean that LSU has to now serve the, 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 the time for the crime done three years ago. So that's really what it is. It's a three-year probation for the football and basketball programs backdated from, 20, uh, from September of 2020. So that will now be resolved in September of 2023 in just a couple of months. But there are, it could have been way worse. It really could have been way worse. And the reason why it wasn't is because LSU was proactive and being very cooperative with the NCAA with all of their findings. In, uh, in 2020, LSU self-imposed a bull ban. It wasn't bull eligible anyways, but they self-imposed a bull ban to say to the NCAA, we're sorry, we did it, we apologize, and we will, we will pay for it. In 2021 and the 2022 season, LSU had eight fewer scholarships on that team. Again, as a, we're sorry, our bad, sorry, Uh, a $5,000 fine as well, which it's $5,000. And then also kind of the kicker here, too, is something that's new, is that LSU will vacate their 37 wins from 2012 through 2015. And that reason being... The player whose father received $180,000 from the athletic department played in those years and technically was ineligible per the NCAA. So from 2012 to 2015, those were the less miles years. 
those wins are now vacated. Fine. That's that's fine with me. It looks like for the most part, everything is behind us. Vacate the wins. That's fine. As long as you don't take away our national championship, which they're not, fine. I can live with that. I can live with vacated wins in those few years. I can live with eight fewer scholarships in 2021 and 2022. I can I can live with being on probation for three years and really for the next couple of months until that three-year backdated probation expires. This, to me, really is not a big deal. It's not. I have to give credit to the LSU Athletic Department, to Scott Woodward, for being proactive and making the punishments and the backlash from the NCAA much more minor than they would have been had LSU not been cooperative, had LSU not fired Will Wade, had LSU not been willing to self-impose a bull ban, had LSU not banned Odell Beckham Jr. from all non-public LSU games, LSU, you know, areas for those two years. And that is what they did after, you know, Ola Buckham Jr. was passing out the cash after the national championship. He was not allowed on non-public LSU grounds for two years, like the locker room, for example. Um, so that's really, that, that's it. It's going to be okay. This is not a big deal. This is something that the NCAA drew, drew on for far too long. This has been going on for way too long. But really, for the most part, it's... It's a slap on the wrist, and this program is going to be just fine. Both programs are going to be just fine. But coming up next, big old ball game tonight and a couple of big old ball game wins over the last couple of nights. We'll break down all of the action, what I loved to see over the last couple of nights against Tennessee and Wake Forest and Omaha. We'll get into that coming up next. But before we do that, I want to tell you about bird dogs because there's nothing that can make you feel just as good as you look. But bird dogs can. They're a stretch khaki short designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a nice, truly sculpted, snatched look in, in, your, uh, in your lower regions. And bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as, say, like maybe like a Lululemon short, but they look better while doing it because they fit better than regular shorts. They're not made of like a, that stiff, restricting cotton but they look just like a khaki or maybe those strict or restricting cotton shorts that look nice but don't feel good. Bird dogs look just like those and you don't have to compromise comfort. They invented this cloud knit fabric that looks like khaki, but it stretches. You get a slimmer fit. You don't have to sacrifice movement when you sit down. You don't get that, that cutting off on your legs that shorts sometimes do when shorts ride up. Nope, bird dogs figured out how to avoid that. They use an anti-stink sweat-wicking fabric that'll keep you cool and dry all day long. So you can wear them out at the golf course. You can wear them working out. You can wear them while you're on the boat. But you're going to look good while doing it. So one of my favorite things about bird dogs, I wear them all the time laying around the house. They are super, super comfortable. So I'll lay down all day long, you know, watch an LSU baseball game, wear my bird dogs, and I'll feel super comfortable. And they also fit really well. I think that's the best thing about bird dogs is they know that we're not all made equally. Not all bodies are made the same, but somehow they still fit really, really well. So fit good, feel good, look good, all of the above. What more could you ask for? 
Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That is birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You do not want to miss this and you do not want to take your bird dogs off. I promise you. Well, thanks again for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. Every day is coming up tomorrow on the podcast. We'll chat with Brian Smith, get some updates on LSU recruiting, plus, of course, a breakdown of all of the action in Omaha tonight. Plus, you don't want to miss Locked on NBA Draft live on Thursday night. That is tonight, people. Pick-by-pick pick analysis from our stable of local NBA hosts, national reaction from our NBA big board hosts, and a live ch- check-in from inside the NBA draft. Locked on NBA draft starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. in Baton Rouge on the Locked on NBA YouTube page. So you can watch that while you're watching the LSU game tonight. How about those Tigers? How about those Tigers, baby? Last time I talked to y'all, I was down. I was crushed. I was sad. After LSU lost that first game to to Wake Forest, I thought that was it. You know, winning that game really felt like the easiest ticket to the College World Series final. Just not sure if LSU has the pitching depth to be able to get them through the loser's bracket. I had hope for sure. With this lineup, you always have hope. I just... I didn't feel good about it. And then we saw the performance that we saw from Nate Ackenhausen against Tennessee. And they looked damn good. And then we saw that performance that we saw last night against Wake Forest when the bats stepped up when they needed to. It was a bullpen game. Jay Johnson, I think, made very wise decisions to pull pitchers when he did. But... The pitchers that went out there, they took care of business. Gavin Guidry continues to impress. I mean, dude is more intense than any other baseball player maybe I've ever seen in my whole entire life. But what we've seen the past couple of days have made me feel so much more confident about this team because they've done things that I didn't think really honestly they would be capable of doing. I usually say there's a, there's a checklist in Omaha, an, a winning in Omaha cheat sheet. And it's more so winning in Omaha in the loser's bracket cheat sheet. How to get out of the loser's bracket 101. One of those things being you got to keep the bats moving. You have got to keep the bats moving. You're going to need offensive production all the way through the lineup, up and down through the lineup. And we didn't see a great offensive day in that game against Wake Forest. In the beginning of the game against Tennessee, also, what you know, it was a low-scoring game. It was 2 nothing, And then at the end of the game, we get a two-run bomb for Dylan Cruz, and it felt like that unlocked something. After that home run, I thought, oh, man, okay, they are feeling it now. So they got the bats moving. Cade Beloso with a three-run bomb against Wake Forest, and that was clutch. That was so incredibly clutch. And LSU scores that first run. A wild pitch brings a second run home. Uh, Dylan Cruz comes home. And then Cade Beloso steps up to the plate and brings both guys on base home. And 5-2 to two was your final score. In the third inning, that was really all she wrote offensively. So that was huge. 
huge clutch insurance runs when they matter most. We got that from Dylan Cruz against Tennessee. We got that against Cade Beloso in that first game against Wake Forest. So that is one of the keys to getting out, at least my keys, to getting out of the loser's bracket in Omaha. Keep the bats moving and get clutch hits at clutch times. That's another reason why LSU was able to beat Tennessee and Wake Forest is because Tennessee and Wake Forest didn't get those clutch hits when they needed them most. Tennessee was seventh inning. Tennessee had the bases loaded. They just couldn't come up with a big hit when they needed to. They bring a couple runs home, and that's a completely different story. That is a ball game now. It was a low-scoring ball game at that time. So, you, you know, they're able to get some, some hits. That's a couple of runs right there. It's the same thing with Wake Forest. They went up early. They had the bases loaded. Ultimately, when Jay Johnson decided to make one of his pitching changes. But that wasn't the last time that they had guys on base. I mean, there were a couple moments in the game last night where Wake Forest had two men on, a couple guys on, and they couldn't bring them home. They left them in scoring position. Now, that is, I think, detrimental, especially in a stage like Omaha. So I think that it, you know, it works both sides. But LSU was able to get those clutch hits when they needed them. They were able to bring four runs home when they had the bases loaded in the third inning against Wake Forest when Cade Beloso hit that three-run dinger. And then that wild pitch brought Dylan Cruz home. Um, and the, the teams that they were playing just simply weren't. That's how valuable those clutch hits are. That's how valuable it is to bring guys home when you're able to get them on base. But we knew this team was good offensively. They've been good offensively. And sure, that first game against Wake Forest, it was an off night at the plate. But keep the bats moving. I think maybe the more important thing for me here is, and it's more important to me because it's not what I expected, I didn't think they had it in them. And maybe that's me being a cynical fan. But what I was so impressed with was the pitching. That's one of the things on my checklist. When you get into the loser's bracket, you need a borderline miraculous pitching performance from a guy that you've never really gotten that from before. He's not one of your top two, top three, hell, maybe not even top four options and a starting pitcher. But you're going to have to play him because all your other arms are already tired out. All those other arms are on rest. That's what we got from Nate Ackenhausen against Tennessee. Nate Ackenhausen, his longest outing as an LSU Tiger this season, was like three and a third innings against South Carolina in the SEC tournament. He turns around and goes almost seven innings against Tennessee. Seven shutout innings. Might I add, Nate Ackenhausen was brilliant. Nate Ackenhausen had an incredible, gutsy performance when LSU needed it most. He stepped up when LSU needed pitching depth. And I think that's what allowed them to play so well against Wake Forest was Nate Ackenhausen was able to go much further than I thought he could. So you were able to rest so many arms on Tuesday night that you then needed on Wednesday night. And against Wake Forest, they were using several different pitchers. I think LSU used five or six different pitchers against Wake Forest. I'm fine with that. Do whatever you need to do. Survive and advance. Keep yourself alive. And in Omaha, in the loser's bracket, when you need solid pitching performance from a guy that you don't expect it from, you got that. I didn't expect that, to be honest. But it was so incredibly paramount. 
Now I don't like the, I don't like the bunting. You gotta you got quit bunting. Quit moving Jordan Thomas in a second. Enough of that. Enough of the bunting. Can we please, please if we're gonna bunt, can we at least please do a, a, a bunting clinic? Because I've seen Jordan Thompson twice and Trey Morgan once pop a bunt up right to the third baseman's glove. So maybe could we stop doing that? I'll say that's one of my other takeaways. Quit it with the bunting. I don't know if I've ever seen this team bunt before they've gotten into to Omaha. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely ridiculous. But coming up next, I want to get into the keys to victory against Wake Forest tonight. What I thought was impossible. Now they're only one win away from the College World Series final. And this game is the one that I feel most confident about. And you probably do too. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about. We'll get into that coming up next. Well, thanks again for making Locked in LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Big old ball game in Omaha tonight against Wake Forest. Let's not forget on what night was that? Monday night. Wake Forest player went up to the podium, said, I just don't think there's anyone in the country that can beat us. I think it's impossible. You about to find out. You found out last night and you might just find out again tonight. Because it has been confirmed officially by Bill Frankes, LSU Baseball SID, that Paul Skeens is on the mound tonight. And anytime Paul Skeens is on the mound, I have another level of confidence. Anytime Paul Skeens is on the mound, I think we all feel a little bit of a sigh of relief because that's just how good Paul Skeens is. That's the Skeens effect right there. I think the Skeens effect also is not just for us, the fans. I think the Skeens effect also is within the rest of that dugout as well. I don't know if this is just me looking too far into it or if this is really something that maybe you've picked up on as well. Every time Paul Skeens is on the mound, I feel like this team plays with another level of swagger. I feel like this team plays more confident, more comfortable, more laid back in a good way. They're not so tight, not so nervous, not making some of the silly defensive mistakes that we've seen them make over the you know the course of the season. So it, it's not just Skeens himself, which is probably more than enough. It's also what Skeens does for the rest of the team. And I think that's what this team needs tonight. They need confidence. That win against Tennessee, I would say, is most important win of the season 1B. Wake Forest win yet last night is uh, most important win of the season 1A. The win tonight, if they do win tonight, that's going to take the cake. But I think those two games just kind of reinstilled confidence in this team. It kind of reinstilled confidence of when everybody, honestly, like probably maybe even myself, counted them out. They were able to prove everyone wrong. So just think about that. They're going into this game with that level of confidence of, oh, you don't think we can do it? We'll show you. And add that on top of Skeen's pitching tonight. I think it's going to be a dangerous, dangerous team that's going to be on the field in Omaha tonight. And that's really freaking exciting. But Wake Forest is a good team. They're not going down without a fight. Wake Forest is also putting their ace in tonight. Rhett Louder is going to be on the mound for Wake Forest. I mean, if Paul Skeens is the best pitcher in America, Rhett Louder's maybe two, maybe three, maybe four. I think the only other pitchers that you could kind of put in that conversation is um, Stanford's lefty, their go-to guy who they lost. He 
he pitched against Tennessee. His name's escaping me. He's up there. Chase Dolander from Tennessee is also up there. But Rhett Louder is also in that conversation with the top, you know, the top pitchers in America. ACC Pitcher of the Year, College Baseball First Team All-American, National Pitcher of the Year finalist, which, of course, he did lose that, that honor to Paul Skeens. First Team All-ACC, First Team CSC Academic All-American, which I don't really care what you do in the classroom. That's great for him. I'm focused on what you're doing on the mound tonight. Um, Golden Spikes Award semifinalist. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Now, of course, a lot of those awards he did lose to Paul Skeens. However, it just kind of goes to show that Skeens is damn good. Skeens is the best pitcher in America, period. Brett Lauder's pretty good, too. So it's not like you're going to be just skating to the College World Series final. Still got a, You still got 27 outs to get. You still got to score some runs here. But if they're throwing their ace... I don't care if they're throwing their ace. I don't care if they're throwing their B, C, D, E, F, G, element of P pitcher. If their ace is going out there, well, so is ours. And I'll take my ace over your ace any day of the week. I'll take your my ace over anyone else's ace any day of the week. I've heard the decision to pitch schemes tonight be criticized a good bit. Because if you pitch schemes tonight, then you don't have Skeens against Florida in the College World Series final. And to that, I say, you don't play Florida in the College World Series final without a win tonight. I've said it before, I'll say it again. There's no such thing as saving arms in Omaha. There's no such thing as saving Paul Skeens for Florida because Florida's not guaranteed. You don't want to mess around and you don't want to get cute. You pitch your ace. You win this game tonight. You play schemes and you win this game tonight and you move on to the College World Series final. We'll worry about Florida. We'll worry about the final once you win this game. Go out and win this game first. Full breakdown of the game coming up tomorrow. It's getting closer. I'm getting more and more nervous as time goes on, but I'm pumped. I'm excited. This team is playing the best baseball that it's played all year at the perfect time. And I'm so freaking pumped for it. Enjoy the game tonight. Be safe. Have fun. If you're in Omaha, have a jello shot for me. Enjoy the game. We will chat tomorrow. Full breakdown of the action in Omaha on tomorrow's episode of Locked in LSU.